This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're in the midst of the international break. And we're feeling so relaxed. We're, we're sitting in the pub here. Everyone's got their feet up, slippers on, cigars. There's a bit of whiskey flying around. A couple of pints as well. Yeah, I've got a pint of Pride as per usual, but I've got my man in front of me and he's got, he's got a whiskey. Someone else has got some Amarillo, isn't it? Amarillo, see, see. Show me the way to Amarillo. You can tell, man. You know, at this stage of the day, everyone's so everyone's so relaxed. There's singing, there's dancing around the place, and we're actually in central London. Central London. We're in the Lamb and Flag Pub in Covent Garden. Um, came here a few months ago as well. Lovely little boozer, tucked away right in the middle of the you know, middle of shops and in the middle of the businesses there and everything like that. Going down an alleyway, walk down there, millions of people outside there, really buzzing little pub. If you're in the area, come down. Lemon Flags on two floors, very, very old pub. I think it's about 500 odd years old as well. Um, wicked little boozer, you know. And um, Is it as old as you, Bill? Happy birthday happy yesterday, birthday. by the way. Yeah, is it as old as you or oh, a bit older? A nice little link. That, was, that link wasn't prompted, by the way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thank you, the Liberal. Yeah, no, I, did, I did have a good day, actually, which I'll probably talk about in a little bit. But, um, no, the pub is not quite as old as me, actually. <laughs> you know? But, anyway, Lemon Flag Club, come down there. Absolutely teepy, tremendous place. And, like we said to you, we've had a good week because we've not had to worry about winning or losing or anything else we could sit down there we could watch the football on television or not watch the football on television as it is for a week we can rest for the fact that Brentford have come out of this last month and a bit absolutely on top of the world and we feel that we can look forward to the match now on Saturday we've um, you know we look forward to it with a bit of joy don't we absolutely yeah no I'm, I can't wait for football to, proper football to be back you know international football as regular listeners to the podcast will know bores me a bit I mean I haven't actually seen any international games. we'll come on to that in a minute because I'm sure that you haven't but look I'm Billy Grant I'm in the Lamb and Flag I'm and to the right of me is Dave Laney oh, hold on a second Laney he's not where is he is he, is he he's done a, he's done a runner isn't he He's gone to catch some sun. 
I, whether that don't, don't think that's Sunderland, is it? No, it's Sun. Sun. Apparently, he's gone plane spotting in Cyprus. So uh, if, you, if you're down there and, and, you, and you're flying into Cyprus in the next couple of days and you see somebody on the edge of the runway with his binoculars, um, that's Laney, plane spotting. And, and the reason why we say about plane spotting in Cyprus is that um, uh, a mate of mine that I went to, uh, a mate of mine went to school, he, I know, he did, he did, a Damiak, and all of a sudden I was sitting in the newspaper, he was one of those characters that got done for plane spotting in Cyprus, right? Yeah. Do you believe that, sheeple? He was working for MI5, yeah. <laughs> Likewise, I don't, if you see, if you wake up from your hotel bed and you see Laney in the window with some binoculars, don't be alarmed. It's all part of his sport, so don't worry. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So look, plane spotting in Cyprus, Laney. If he does actually get back, or maybe we may have to um, use some of the besotted whip money to, uh, to 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 bail him out. So so we'll see. But anyway, like I said to you, I actually got down there. To be honest with you, I quite like coming down to town because I didn't actually walk down there. I actually got my scooter. I've got this new scooter. Uh, I, I love, I, I love scooting around town. Well, you know, not yet. Well, I actually only borrowed it for a day just to see what it was like. But you know, I, I might talk about this a little bit more in a couple of weeks' time. You know, scooting around town, like you know. You have a go at me for my tractor. You have a scooter. Well, I don't know. We we're thinking of scooting to QPR. But anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Anyway, I'm going to talk. I'm, I'm sitting. I'm sitting here with the guests. I've got my guests now, and it's it's absolutely. Lovely, sitting around with characters who want to talk about football, who want to drink beer, and want to do everything else. To the left of me, I have who hasn't been there for a few weeks, the Lord Lucan. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. I was going to make a, a, a witty quip about. I hope you get on better with scooters than Montel Moore before you uh, you handed me off like Jonah Lomu against Rory Underwood. Uh, but thanks anyway. I'm having a great time in the Rainbow Flag and Lamb. Uh, yeah, so good, good. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what comes out of an International Week podcast. Indeed, we should talk more about that. We've got lots to talk about. Internationals, we talk about England, we talk about Sky TV, we're talking about misfits, we're talking about all sorts of stuff. Also in the house, we've got the man. His name is Crumble Chris. How are you doing, Chris? I'm very well, thanks, Bill. Uh, happy birthday. Uh, many happy returns. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying a week free of of football um, I did have to take in a game last night just to get a quick hit but it's been it's been brilliant I've not turned my TV on once um, it, it's been it's been bliss bliss indeed we'll catch up a little bit more on that in a little bit the crumble and down on his tractor from the west country as well we have the liberal Nick Good to see you again, the Liberal. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I always like coming to Covent Garden because I can sell my wares, you know, in the market. So uh, bring them up from the West Country and sell my wares. You know. If you didn't know, Covent Garden market actually moved to uh, the south of the river about 25 years ago. So that's why I haven't sold anything tonight. Oh, well, never mind. Let's move on. Come on. So listen, look, as we're talking about International Week, um, no club football this week. But plenty for us to get our teeth into because, interestingly, we had a couple of Brentford players who were playing for international sides. We had teams out there. We had, we had a little bit of action going on as well. Italy were playing. Denmark were playing. Sweden were playing. England were playing. Brazil were playing. So um, it's a good old international week. Now, I know some people may have watched football. Other people didn't watch football as well. Luke M, I'm just wondering, out of all the games out there the last week, which one took your fancy and which one did you enjoy? Or not enjoying? Enjoy, enjoying a weekend of nil-nils. You know, pick, pull your socks up, FIFA. What's happening? I, I enjoyed the potential nihilistic romanticism of Ireland being on the ropes 
for the first 90 minutes of that, of that game against Denmark and then anything could happen and by anything I mean Denmark winning in the second leg uh, because they were the better team and basing your formation and tactics on the luck of the Irish is no way to go I did feel sorry for Northern Ireland a dodgy penalty and we got McGinn Dallas and Savile we've got the Warburton, the Warburton graduates all lining up there and Greek was Greek in the squad Bill you, you, you tell me that I'm not sure actually I think Will Greek might, might be taking a bit of a holiday actually you know? I mean he's been a bit quiet the last day by my client but you know I'll, I'll give a call because you know he wanted to be left alone yeah so um, bit of a disappointing one in terms of goals galore but you un- you understand that so much at stake um, yeah England as well fair play to England doing doing what we wish a lot of clubs would do bring the youth through ironically England willing to do what team teams like Chelsea and teams like teams like Liverpool won't do bring bring a youngster through you know if you, if you're good enough you're old enough so fair play to possibly the most boring manager in international football in Gareth Southgate the crumble chris international week what did it bring you um, international week brought me a a team from abroad coming to the UK and playing brilliantly. I went to watch Molsey play Guernsey uh, down down near, near Hampton Court. Uh, Bankers versus the tax dodgers, yeah? Well, you might say that. I couldn't possibly comment. Um, but no, <laughs> and, and, allegedly. Allegedly. And Guernsey, who have to foot the bill for all the teams that have to fly over and, and play them and their accommodation, uh, they won their first midweek away game. They won 4-2. Brilliant game, lots of goals, much better than any of the crap you'd see on TV. And I must correct uh, Lou, actually, because he forgot possibly one of the greatest uh, Brentford and Northern Ireland players that's ever graced oh, either did, team. Yeah, yeah. Who could forget Lee Hodson? Legend. Legend. On, Legend. I think he was on loan from Watford, went on to he play was. for Milton Keynes. Um, possibly uh, with Will with, with, with yeah, I mean, words, words, words leave me when trying to describe his talent, so I won't say any more. Sounds like you had a bit of an interesting uh, afternoon down in that south of the river. Oh, every every afternoon south of the river is, is a delightful one. So I, you know, I urge you to come down and, and take well, sample the local uh, delicacies. Which we hopefully will have one next season when we play Palace. Oh yeah, indeed, indeed. The liberal, the liberal. Now I'm just was wondering yourself as well. What game really took your fancy? None of them. Didn't watch any international football this break. Uh, Why not? Because I've cancelled my Sky subscription, so uh, my my new place doesn't have a dish. But all, uh, but so I rang up Sky and said I want to cancel my subscription. So the very nice, very nice woman at the end said that's a real shame, sir. And. I could hear her crunching into a computer and said, you've been a long-term customer, subscriber. We'll give you a bit of a discount, you know, if you reconnect with us. And I said, no, 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 still not going to do it. And she said, she, so she lowered her price yet again, or lowered the price of the subscription yet again, uh, before I get into deeper trouble. And um, I said, no, not interested. She said, oh, well, can you give me a reason why you're not interested? So I said, well, it's because you've rearranged the time, the kickoff time of our game against Aston Villa on Boxing Day. Uh, which means that I won't be able to watch it and I'm not going to watch it on your subscription service either. And she said, OK, sir, I'll note that down in the comments box. Excellent. Yeah, so, yeah, listen, you've taken positive action. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to spoil your story by saying that the England game was actually on ITV. But anyway, <laughs> but we won't go into that one. Don't get ITV down the West Country. Oh, that's However, right. however, 
what I think before we go, are we going to talk about the internationals? We'll talk about them in a bit. Yeah, 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 we'll talk about them in a bit. And and, and myself, I mean, which games? Um, for me, I mean, it's interesting. You talk about the Sky TV thing. I did exactly the same after the Aston Villa malarkey. I rang up Sky and I went to them, cancelled my Sky subscription, said exactly the same thing. It's because. you put the Aston Villa game on, you moved it 7.30 at night, and I don't believe the fact that Sky actually take football fans into consideration as much as they should do, so this is my protest. And I think the woman said, I haven't got a box for that. <laughs> you know, obviously, obviously, I was second, and they probably had got a box for it by then. That's right. So, but anyway, so it has to be done, but I'm on the cooling off period because I've had to have 30 days, so I've still got 30 days off Sky, so I managed to dip in and out of a few things, sort of, sort of get my last if, offer. If, if only the players we saw to, to Birmingham had a 30-day cooling-off period, <laughs> then maybe they'd rethink. No, there you go, sort of, you know. But anyway, so I've done that. So I've dipped in a little bit out, and like I said to you, I saw the Italy-Sweden game, which I was very, very happy with, because uh, as a person who's been to lots and lots and lots and lots of World Cups, 12, 12 tournaments, and Italy are the one team, like I said to you, who really, really frustrate me. Um, even when they're playing badly, they end up getting the right results. Their fans are really, really bad losers. I said to you, I'm generalising here, probably you might think a lot, but I've been in Italy when they've lost. And, you know, you think that, you know, when we lose, we're like, you know, we might be upset. But, oh, my God, the Italians, when they lose, they're such terrible, terrible terrible losers and uh, and there's always you know it's always a problem and you know England when we played them in Kiev and we were there holding our hands together and penalties and we shouldn't have gone out but we did go out it's, it's really frustrating so for me for Italy to be out everyone says oh no Panini cars are not going to be the same without Italy um, but in there anymore but I'm thinking absolutely brilliant that Italy are not in the World Cup and I think there's a Panini programme on, on ITV the, the irony it's almost like a, making a highlights video of the, of, the, of the bloke who stole your girlfriend at school you know Panini making, making a stickers and you know I just can't wait to see Thousands of children pe- peeling, peeling their bell ends back in the playgrounds. That's uh, right, exactly. Day, you know, I think ITV4 last, I think it's a couple of days ago, or might be yesterday or the day before, Panini, some sort of Panini documentary. Um, they've had to take out the Italy and probably the Ireland as well from that one as well. Uh, I went to see England play as I did. I didn't go the, um, to the Brazil game because that was on my birthday, but I went to the Germany game. And yes, it was nil all. A lot of people say it's boring, but for me, I think the fact that England pulled in all the youngsters, I think is absolutely tremendous. They've been too scared to do that over the years. But finally... Finally, you know, you're pulling in your loftus cheeks, you know, you're putting all the, all the young players into the game. And at the end of the day, no, they might not have got the result now, but they're actually playing and playing against the best in the world. And to me, all you need is two of those players to come through in the next season and actually up their game like what Michael Owen, Michael Owen did in his first season. And that could make the, all the difference for England. You've got young fearless players who don't really care in the middle of slightly more experienced players and listen you just you just never know you just never know but anyway as we say we've got lots and lots and lots to talk about on the podcast this week um Nick, did you know also that there's a, a little initiative come from the FA all, all the football league clubs are getting together and from next Saturday which is the 25th for a week they're all going to be flying rainbow coloured corner flags and also the players will be also wearing rainbow laces in support of the LGBT um, campaign 
I, I thought that's why we were in the Lamb and Flag tonight, to celebrate and congratulate the Football League on, on, on holding that campaign. And I hope every single Brentford player will also be wearing the ra rainbow laces, because there have been some difficulties in past uh, past times, but uh, we've moved on from there, haven't we? Hopefully we have moved on from there, and, and this is the reason why we came to the Lamb and Flag to be honest. I chose this pub specifically because of the campaign next week, and I hope everyone comes up there, they'll turn up. I mean, we've got QPR on the Monday, and we'll be all... We'll be by the corner flag. We'll be sort of barracking the QPR fans, you know what I'm saying, while also sort of playing homage to the flag as well. And I hope other people do that. We'll do exactly the same thing, Luke. Uh, you'll end up with some manager coming out semi-pissed after a game, blaming the flags, like Alex Ferguson in that game against Southampton, for confusion by the players. Yeah, I, I really hope all the players get behind it. It doesn't take much. You know, there's, there's been some really petty people like attacking the LGBT community getting into football the same way 30, 20, 10 years ago it's alright to be racist and it, actually it's not and it's a lovely time where we call sexism and racism and homophobia out now and then you realise people have very shit arguments when it comes down to it and the least a player can do bearing in mind they've got a whole community behind them particularly most players in the championship is wear some laces you know, it's, not, it's not a sign that it affects their masculinity you know, it doesn't mean they're less of a player. It just means that it just means that they're open-minded. And as a team from London, we're very proud of that—a bit of open-mindedness and progressiveness. Indeed, indeed. So great campaign. So look out for that and support that as well. But we've got loads to talk about, and uh, there was no match last weekend, so we're not going to talk to any fans now. We're going to talk amongst ourselves after this twang. So misfits, misfits, misfits. If you've been checking out Pesotted in the international week, normally we have a quiet international week, but after last week's podcast, everything blew up. We said on last week's podcast, we were, we were just, it actually started off, we just sat down and we were discussing Harley Dean and Colin and Hotter, and we were working out why were they good for us, and then have they gone to Birmingham City, and so far, I'm not saying forever, but so far it hasn't quite worked out for them. And we're saying that, you know, sometimes you get players who are misfits in certain teams. They're great for some teams and then they're misfits in other teams and they'll go elsewhere and they'll be brilliant again. And that stemmed on from us asking the question, who at Brentford has been a misfit? And then, you know, then, then, then we had this sort of statement. We were sort of saying, what exactly is a misfit? Now, the, 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 the traditional statement for a misfit, or, or what traditionally is a misfit, is a player who is actually probably quite decent, but he comes to your side, he comes with a reputation, and he may come into your side and he just doesn't do anything at all. He's really terrible, just doesn't quite fit in. And then he moves elsewhere probably and he does something really good. You know, so that's the kind of idea of it. And then we decided to come up with a load of names, especially with you guys. We put the word out there on Twitter, on Facebook. You gave us a whole heap of names of people who you felt were misfits. Some of them were within the traditional, you know, traditional kind of description of what a misfit will be. You know, but other than were just players who for Brentford were just not very good. You know, so we had people like we said to you, Murray Jones was a traditional one who, to be quite honest with you, he was a misfit in the fact that he just wasn't very good for Brentford. You know, we had other players like Lewis Graben. Some people said mm, he's not really a misfit, but the, the thing was that when he was at Brentford, he was okay. He wasn't great for us. He was all right. Scored about four or five goals. Then he went off to somewhere else. Scored loads of goals. You know what I'm saying? You know, you got big Nick Proswich who was the winner in the end. You know, Leo Fortune West as well. Apparently he came to us with a bit of a reputation, but he didn't do so. There's loads of these players who've come in there. Now, it was a really, really interesting couple of days. Don't you think, Lou? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. It's, this, this idea of misfit is obviously malleable and flexible. So we've had some misfits 
who are like John Bostock, who people have maybe shown too much potential at the at the wrong time, right time. So what's the history of John Bostock? Some people listening might not know that. So uh, a, gold, a golden golden boy at Tottenham came in. Crystal Palace before that, even Crystal Palace. Well, it's Palace boy. first, and, and, and then, then Tottenham nicked him. T- Tottenham nicked him, uh, like almost like Jermaine Pennant, but uh, a decade later. And, and you know, and if you want to see Jermaine Pennant taking corners of Billericay Town, they're in the replay tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, so he came in, scored two goals, goal from the corner. Chris reassures me, I do remember that. Yeah, and the guy, the guy, you know, it's it's that thing about the right player at the right time. It's actually a misfit. It's 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 not necessarily a bad player. It's someone who's too good for us uh, or too good at the time. And we had that with the point last week was Patino. He had he he was at, they, we need we needed like we needed cloggers and muckers in, and we had this luxury from Sporting Lisbon. And he went after a game. What one misfit I I look, I actually got thinking about for who's my misfit? It was Oli Skalarsson from Arsenal, right? Martin Allen brought him in, and he he made a point of being like of being you know he's going to make a point having been dropped by Arsenal. He then he then led us to an opening day victory. Second game ligaments done. Not unlike Brentford, out for the season, and then when he came back, he then um, played a couple of games in, a, in quite a poor team. Then said he was ill for a game. I remember this, and then uh, ended up with a, a Brentford fan catching him, catching him in, in, in Zabranos in Greek Street in Soho, uh, with his brother on the piss doing shots, uh, and told him in uncertain terms what he thought of him if he's going to say he's too ill to play a te- teams like Dagenham at home. But then go out, then go out on the piss in solo. So classic misfit. The geezer then made it, made a decent career in Iceland, in in Turkey, um, over the continent, and got some got some Icelandic caps on a team on the up. So yeah, it's not all bad. It's not all bad being a misfit. No, no, not at all. A couple of other names we said throwing in there. We had 32 players. We had a, honestly we had a massive list. We had about 60, 70 names. Cut it down to 32 names. Other names that are on there, it's interesting because it depends on what group you're in. So Leo Fortune West and Callum Willock were both in the same group. Now, to me, Callum Willock was up there. He was probably up there going into the Murray Jones land. But he landed with Leo Fortune West. And obviously, Leo Fortune West must have really upset some people because it was neck and neck between these two guys. And in the end, it was just one point that separated the two of them. Um, Kenny Sampson was in there as well. But he, he, people were relatively happy with him as well. And then Phil Hoffman, of course, everyone remembers Philip Hoffman. He quite esteemed his group as well against Bostock. Mike Grella, which is hilarious, was Mike Grella who scored three goals against us. Against Bournemouth, I think it was. It was four goals, I think it was, against Bournemouth. And I think those are the only four goals he ever scored. And after that, he was he was rubbish. Um, but then he went off to the MLS to Red Bull um, New York. And uh, they love him over there. They think he's absolute bee's knees. But he was up against Rod Stewart. And Rod Stewart, the singer that is, Rod Stewart, who, who gave him a bit of a battle as well, and John Mackey as well, which I don't remember John Mackey loads. I remember him a little bit. Maybe I put him to the back of my mind. But Eddie May was in there. Eddie May, who we got in place of Andy Sinton. But people didn't seem to be too unhappy about him. The Liberal, any any names that sort of kind of came to you on the Misfit front? Yeah, I mean, I, like many people last week, I was screaming while I, listening to the pod, listening to the podcast because um, I sorry, my phone's just making because you were listening to the podcast last night screaming. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm listening to the podcast screaming because um, you missed some names out. I mean, Gordon Bancoli. Who can forget Gordon Bancoli? Our great keeper. Yeah, but what I will say to you is that Gordon Bancoli was in the long list, but he didn't make it to the short list. Gordon, Gordon Bancoli. Because because. 
George, George Bancoli, thank you very much. Thank you, Lou. I, I, I mean, just... they, they do often say about George Bancoli, he was the black Gordon Banks. Uh, <laughs> but I remember, yeah, George, George, George Bancoli, was, um, he was on the list, but he didn't make it because we were thinking that before he came, did he have a reputation and after, did he get you? He, he wasn't in that upper echelons of... He might be our only ever player to wear tracksuit bottoms during a game. Maybe stack. I don't know. Where, 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 where's the money ball machine? Someone tell me. So anyone, anyone else? Marcel Erga. Oh, interesting one. Uh, he, I, I, uh, two things about him. One, he, he, he was, he had a fantastic dress sense. I love the way that he. Uh, whenever I saw him, he was always wearing desert boots, and that's even when he was almost on the pitch because you know how rarely he was on the pitch. And actually, I remember having a conversation with him in the Griffin, or I think it was the Griffin rather than the Globe, actually, for some reason, where he we ended up talking about politics, and he was a really left wing, a, a was supporter of the far left. Uh, German political party we had a fascinating discussion late into the night about the Berlin municipal elections and now how many footballers would you have a discussion about Berlin municipal elections and you, and you know he's a musician as well I think he's a, he's a drummer isn't he as yeah. well so he plays in this indie band as well doesn't he he's just everything you think a professional footballer ought to be sadly retired now because I think once he left Brentford he was found that he had a, had a serious injury couldn't play on but you know uh, uh, he, uh, my one of my heroes as it comes to footballers, actually underrated heroes, definite misfit. The crumble. Um, yeah, I, I had a couple of thoughts about this, and I, and I take your point about a misfit being someone who actually might even have been too good for us. And I, one of the names that was, that was thrown around was Carl Court, and uh, I remember watching Carl Court, and I think thinking he was he was too good for us. He was on another level. He was he was laying off balls to Charlie McDonald and. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name now. Um, another other strikers, and he was but Nathan he, Elder. Nathan Elder, that was that was it. That was who I was thinking of. Brentford's number nine. He was he was, but he was streets ahead of everyone else, and you could tell that he would play at another level. And I think that was the reason why it didn't work for him at Brentford because he was he was playing balls, and and no one was reading what he was going to do because he, he was at another level. And so I think it's a bit harsh to put him in there. Um, he he was a, a true favourite of mine, but I think you can compare him to players like Bettino and you know. Tuba Akpom, players who just didn't have what it took. They were the real misfits. Um, Cole Court was, you can tell he's a little bit of a hero of mine. It's interesting, Tuba Akpom, again, we discussed him last week and he didn't make the final list. Um, we thought mainly because that, um, there's a lot of hype before he came, um, a lot of hype before he came, but he was like a youth team player, so it's kind of like he hadn't really got any kind of background. Youth team player with loads of hype, we brought him in and then he didn't really perform, then he went elsewhere. And then he didn't really perform. So we're thinking, well, to be quite honest with you, he's just kind of a player that didn't really perform, as opposed to a misfit who came in who was brilliant and, and did what but then, you know, this is this is down to sort of everybody's sort of kind of personal sort of thoughts on it, you know what I mean? It, but it's within his power to to not be a misfit. It's within his his ability, his attitude. Everyone could see it was an attitude thing. We saw when he came back to Griffin Park with Coventry, and I can't remember who the manager was. Uh, was absolutely chewing him out on the side of the pitch and he, you know everyone knew what was coming he was a guy who didn't really have the belief and he's now you know 
probably earning a fair packet, but sat on the bench in Arsenal reserves. You know, is that? And it's a waste of talent. It's a shame. He did. Have, he had. A, he did have a couple of fights as well with a couple of players that aren't at Brentford anymore. So you could probably talk about it. Sort of quite hard players as well. Um, you could imagine who they are. One's got a bald head and got banned for uh, abusing a a, 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 a lineswoman, and and the other one went to Birmingham City and uh, <laughs> and. But if, but if we kicked out every single player who had a fight with a, a bald ex-Brentford player who uh, didn't like uh, female linesmen, then I think you know we'd have a very short... Uh, our, our recruitment policy will be very uh, much more refined than it currently is. But no, you know, it's, it's attitude that sets certain players apart. Uh, certain players have it and they don't have the ability. Certain players have the ability and don't have the attitude. And it, that's, that's what's disappointing with players like that. Yeah, but you have to wonder why Arsenal have kept going with him so long. I mean, Arsenal have kept him and they re-signed him as well. And they re-signed. So obviously they think that he's a good player. But that probably describes more, it says more about Arsenal Football Club than it does about um, Peaceful in general. So go, listen, let's go in. I mean, going to the quarterfinals on this one. Just quickly, we're going to talk about it. it's interesting because Steve Claridge. I didn't realise that Steve Claridge. I mean, I remember him there and he, 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 he socks down to his... But I didn't realise that he upset so many people because, like, all of a sudden, it's like we threw Steve Claridge, but let's throw Steve Claridge in there, and he'll just get knocked out in the first round. All of a sudden, Steve Claridge was taking everyone out. You know what I'm saying? In the quarterfinal, he took out Mike Grillo at like 62% to 38. I thought, poor oh, blimey. Paul Davis was quite close between him and, and Neo Fortune West, and I know Paul Davis upset quite a lot of people as well, didn't he? I don't know about Paul Davis, but my abiding memory of Steve Claridge at uh, Griffin Park is not when he played for us, but he played for an away. Th- he played for a, a team that was on an icy pitch, and the game was called off half the way through the first half. And Steve, I can clearly remember it was the days when we used to stand in the paddock, and Claridge screaming abuse at the referee in language that I cannot use on a family-friendly podcast, telling the referee that he was endangering every player's career, including his own, by allowing the game to continue. And for some reason, Hell's Bells, what's her name? Um, Helen Chamberlain was had was on the PA that night as well. Uh, I don't know, I can't remember what the competition was. I'm sure I'm not dreaming this. I'm sure I haven't taken any drugs, but I clearly remember Steve Claridge. It, he must have been playing, I think, for Cambridge, and the game was called off through ice. Does that ring any bells with anybody? No, not at all. I, I think somebody tweeted in as well to say that they... Um they, they they went in the well, sort of bar after the match and they saw Steve Claridge in the pub or they saw you know they a couple of a couple of about like half an hour after the game and he was in the bar before they were which they well, were very surprised. That's about. probably right because he knew that the game was going to get called off probably or abandoned before the crowd were let out the ground. I mean, am I, I'm, I've got a load of black faces here. Will people please write in or tweet besotted and say Liberal Nick was right? and give me the date and the name and the, of the game and who Claridge was playing. All right, OK, so we'll try and get some clarification on that. Interesting one was Big Nick went against Super Mark McCammon. Now, Super Mark McCammon, you know, the miss against QPR has got people, people, a lot of people thinking about that one. Big Nick, now, OK, let's talk about, we're going to talk about Big Nick because Big Nick is the eventual winner on this one, but Big Nick, when, when I saw this, I was thinking it was a very clear that Big Nick had upset a lot of people because he absolutely smashed the floor with McCammon, 75%, 25%. Uh, now, to me, Big Nick, he was one of those players, because I remember Murray Jones really unhappy, and there's other players, you know, Callum Willip and all those lot. I mean, they got us into trouble because, you know, 
we got relegated because because Murray Jones. You know, Callum Willock. We basically didn't go up because of Callum Willock. Now, is it for me when Big Nick came in? He came into a season, but we kind of did all right that season. And he kind of came in and he was just a little bit ineffectual. But he, he didn't really upset me. If he was to come on, I wasn't like going, "Oh no, it's Big Nick. This is the d- absolute disaster." But. Maybe obviously other people have had a completely different effect. He's had a different effect to them than, 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 than me. I think it's it's quite interesting with Big Nick. He clearly had a uh, how do you say a very big presence. Um, he you know he it was maybe he was a flash in the plan when he was you know yeah, being yeah, scouted. Oh. You know he, he got a poor reception though. Well, he treated the club like a hotel. Uh, for those that don't know, after leaving us. Nick Prosvich was convicted of flashing a hotel receptionist, um, Ill- ill-advised bants for anyone thinking of doing it in the age of Harvey Weinstein. Uh, yeah, so, but, but I, I agree with Bill. There are players who probably like Steve, even Stephen Hunt, even Stephen Hunt, and Martin Rowlands, who have actually been more misfits because we've loved them so much, and then they've they, they've left us so harshly. And, and, I mean, okay, and they, they are misfits, but I mean. The crumble. I mean, you're. For, I mean, you're talking about the big Nick, and I mean, you, you, you're not happy with him. I, I, I put him in the same category as Phil Hoffman. Well, I don't think we ever saw the best of him, or I know we didn't see the best of him. He didn't. As a striker, you need to start ten games to really get into a rhythm to see how you can play. Um, I would have liked to see him do that. It wasn't to be. He's moved on. I'm over it. We've got better strikers now. Life goes on. So, so. <laughs> Okay, so you know, coming 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 to the coming towards the final though, I mean, forget about the quarterfinal. The thing that killed us is that Paul Davis went out. You know, Murray Jones got knocked out by Big Nick. Now that was the big that was the big one for me, wasn't it? Never trust a man with two surnames. Yeah, I mean, we we, we like to sign a player with two first names: Tony Craig, Harley Dean. You know, uh, Shalem Logan. Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. And I, I, well, I think social media obviously is dependent on your market. So we're we're leaning more towards people under thirty, <laughs> under forty, and as well, time. It's like comedy timing. Poor old Callum Willock. You know, he was replacing DJ Campbell, whereas Big Nick was replacing who was you replacing? Tommy Smith, maybe? Or he was replacing who? Who? Who was our third? Who was Gray, sort of, but he wasn't directly replacing him, was he? Exactly. This is it. This is it. And we say, you know, for, for everything Philip Hoffman did wrong, you know, Vibe did right. So it's a, you know, you can be a misfit in a, in a team of really great peers. Sorry, Chris, you're saying. I think the thing that separates Hoffman and Prospect is that Hoffman had his moment. He scored that goal at home against Nottingham Forest. He scored the winner. The one that took three deflections to go in. Well, I, I mean, you might. <laughs> what a finish. Possibly, clinical. Possibly. Clinical. He, clinical. Yeah, but clearly a very smart striker. But he got that. He had that moment. He has that, that moment that will that Brentford fans will remember. Mate, I think you're forgetting Nick Prosvich tapping away at Hull from two yards out. Not, How dare you? I'm, I'm, How dare you? For I'm, shame. Against his old club. Is it his old club? Oh. It was. I'm not forgetting yeah. that at all. Um, uh, I think the moral story is a lot of people who were part of the whole Prosvich generation of signing those players, you know, the club took a step back and said, we've got a bit, we got a bit trigger happy in the, you know, with Jurichin and everything. So everyone, every, Prosvich was seen as a symptom of the Jurichin age um, you know, Goggia, all these players who were brought in and jumped in at a deep end and it didn't work. And now, you know, you get peaks and troughs. You've got Mark Warburton who can only work with 11 players in the entire football league and keep signing them wherever he goes. Um, but then, and then you've also got Moneyball at Brentford where we gambled on a load of players from Mordor and Narnia and it didn't work one year. 
promise me we'll never, ever, ever refer to the Prosvets generation on this podcast ever again. Um, not in football to, footballing terms, hopefully. So, no. so listen, the Prosvets generation is gone. So listen, so look, Nick Prosvets absolutely smashed uh, Steve Claridge in the final, and it was obvious. And still, there's a lot of complaints. People were absolutely gutted. First of all, that Paul Davis dropped off. And then absolutely big Nick and Murray Jones fell off. So you could see, as I said to you, the younger generation, the older generation. Murray Jones still resonates with a lot of people um, from back in the day, mainly because we got relegated off the back of him. And big Nick, um, the younger generation. But listen, it was an interesting and bit of a laugh for a few days and kept us busy when we had no football to look forward to. Um, some people took it a little bit seriously. Other people just thought it was a little bit of a laugh. But listen, it's just something that we do at Besotted. You can check it out. It's, there's a little article there on Besotted. You can check it out on the Besotted tweet. We'll go back to that. But the fact is that Big Nick has taken over from Murray Jones the crown of Brentford's biggest misfit. Murray Jones did it for 25 years and now it's Big Nick. I think it's a disgrace that this competition was not run with VAR. If we'd had video action replays, it would have been a totally different result. And on that, we'll move on. So the Brentford Christmas Bees Up. Our social in the Fuller's Brewery, 15th of December. We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks now, but the tickets have finally gone on sale. You can go to the Besotted website, besotted.com. You go there, you're going to see a little link. You click on the link and you can go through and you can get your tickets. If you're on the Besotted mail out, uh, you've been to any of our last couple of events, um, either the Christmas event last year or the summer event, you should get an email um, and just check your email and you've got a little link there which should lead you through. So go and check the email if you've been to any of the last couple of events, either last Christmas or last summer. Um, last summer was in Ealing. Last Christmas at the brewery, if you check your emails, you would have got that and you would have got a little link through which will get you your tickets and everybody else can go onto the website, click on there and you can get your tickets as well. I'd advise you as well to sign up to the Besotted um, mailing list because you also sign on the mailing list and you get emails coming through. We've got special offers for people coming through. As you know, all we try and do is we always try to get you as much as possible. So obviously for this event here, we have got Mr. Big Bob Taylor. The first player has been announced, Big Bob Taylor. Is coming down for the Christmas social. Got a few more players coming as well. We're just still trying to negotiate that at the time. And like I said to you, it's going to be at the Fuller's Brewery. Absolutely wicked. It's going to be an open bar. We have an open bar all night at the brewery. We move on to the pub afterwards where we just carry on drinking and doing other bits and pieces. So we've got some hours in the brewery. We've got an open bar. We've got players. We've got you know, ex-players where we've got the, the question and answers and, and just, just events. And fun. We've got music, DJ. We've got food. Um, and we've got drinking. And that's kind of what we do. It's a really, really, really fantastic event. Um, last one went down really well. All our events have gone down really well. I'm going to advise you to get tickets pretty soon because they're, uh, as we put on sale immediately, and all of a sudden I saw ping and people are starting to, to buy them up, which is all good. And we really, really look forward to it. It's a really nice sort of kind of end to the year. Um, celebrating four seasons in the championship as well with Brentford. So like I said to you, we've got... Big Bob Taylor is coming down with his stories. He's coming down with his wife. They're coming down there. They're staying overnight as well. We've got some rooms putting people up as well uh, in Brentford. So if you're coming down from out of town, we've got some rooms to put you up. And then you can stay overnight. And then the following day, we can get the Barnsley game. So it's all going to be a big party. So as that's to you, just go to sorted.com, pick up your tickets for the social, because it's going to be absolutely teeping tremendous. And we're very proud to say that the charity that we're linking with for this social is Calm, which is the campaign 
for Living Miserably. It's the award-winning charity dedicated to preventing male suicide, and male suicide is the single biggest killer for men under the age of 45 in the UK. And we'll be raising funds for Calm on the night, so it's going to come down there, there's going to be lots and lots of fun, and it's in a good cause as well. All good. Teams like Brentford. If you've been listening over the past few months, or if you watch Twitter, or if you just hang around with us in the pub, you know that's one of the phrases that we use. There's a few teams now that use a similar phrase. Barnsley, the first team that started it. Barnsley, we're quite tight with the West End Bobs boys, and they say that they get really pissed off because every time they beat a team, a big team, like inverted commas like Leeds or Nottingham Forest or Derby, they always turn around and say, we should be beating teams like Barnsley. And then Preston are another team that say exactly the same as well. You know, they go and beat them and they say, we should be beating teams like Preston. And so we've almost like formed like a little sort of kind of little clique between ourselves because the same thing when we go and we beat teams like Leeds or Derby or Nottingham Forest or Fulham, <laughs> they all say, we should be beating teams like Brentford. So it's teams like Brentford. And then we see phrases coming out and people saying ridiculous things because they believe, as we say, is an arrogance that they believe that teams should be there based on history and what they've done in the past rather than what's out there at the moment now. Um, so we had, we, had a, we had a quite interesting, because I said the international week can sometimes be rather boring, can't it? Um, but we had quite an interesting international week as well because then we had um, a few fans out there who were absolutely aghast. They were absolutely aghast. They were not happy at all. Andreas Bjelland was in, in the Denmark side and they couldn't believe it. And uh, as this guy, Lauren Viscoli, Christ knows who he supports, he said, can someone please explain to me how Andreas Bielen from Brentford is starting for Denmark ahead of Andreas Christensen? Who's the Denmark coach and what the bloody hell is going through his mind? Of course, we came back with a retort, teams like Brentford. You know? And uh, you, you don't look at what's happened, you don't look at the qualification, you don't look at what Denmark's done together. It's just an, it's, it's like a Premier League, teams like Brentford. These things can't happen now. I mean, Lou, I know you were laughing quite a lot about this whole teams like Brentford thing, or teams like, because there was a lot of teams like going on in this international window, wasn't there? That's right, yeah, countries like. Yeah, country, countries like Iceland, countries like Panama, they're, they're, they're the international scenes, Burton or Brentford or Barnsley, with, with Italy and Holland, uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, some established, established Chile, I could go on, I could go on, all these established, established international giants like Wales and Northern Ireland, uh, Greece, not getting in. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting to see how the, the sort of shit rolls downward attitude that we've had to put up with for the last half a decade actually is the same on the international scene. And um, yeah, I empathise with them, and I will be. I'll be going to Russia, um, not supporting uh, England or Ireland because I believe that patriotism, like Oscar Wilde, is the last <laughs> refuge uh, uh, of a scoundrel. I'll be supporting Iceland, uh, the smallest team, the underdog. Um, and yeah, and I, don't, I, I think I think football, the beauty of football, is a meritocracy. It's not it's not a monarchy. Uh, and yeah, and you if you get in there, you get in there. And it, it, you know, fair play to Panama. It took an illegal goal with a handball and wasn't quite over the line. But you know, I hear these uh, Central Americans do things by the book generally. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to finding eventually over the next couple of months, seeing the draw, and then working out who is my Brentford of the World Cup although I think most of us probably support Denmark 
So, so okay, and we come back to that in a minute. We'll talk about the World Cup in a little bit more. But teams like Brentford, teams like, I mean, the Liberal. Um, you, you've been engulfed in this teams like uh, chat. What are your thoughts on the, 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 the latest team-like experiences that's been going around, been flying around? It's typical arrogance, isn't it? It's that nothing exists outside the 22 clubs of the Premiership. 22, is it, or 20 in the Premiership? 20, 20, the premiership. there you go. 20. There you go. It shows you how much interest I actually have in the Premiership. 20 clubs in the Premiership. Um, nobody can think that there are footballers up and down the country plying an honest trade in the Championship, some even in Division 1, who will make it through to, through to the World Cup. And if you go, it's this, it's this arrogance is that nothing will happen unless it's covered again on Sky or unless it happens on BBC Match of the Day, you know. I mean, Channel 5, I'd love to know what Channel 5's viewing figures are for their championship show. Because as we keep saying, the championship is the most competitive league in the country, if not in Europe, if not in the world, and yet gets underrated time and time again. Um, you get much more exciting stuff. You know, Sky build up these huge games, Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal, and they turn into boring nil-nils, you know, possible one-nil, Mourinho parks the bus, Jurgen Klopp decides that he doesn't want to play football. Move down into the Championship, you can see some really exciting stuff. Witness our game against Sunderland, witness our game against Leeds. You know, really, really good games. And I'm sure that if you were able to watch Division 1 and Division 2 games, you would see equally the same. I mean, Matt the Allard would tell you about the great Ollie Hawkins playing for Portsmouth and scoring own goals for them. You know, much more exciting stuff than happens in the, in the Championship. Let's stop with all this arrogance. The crumble. I mean, it's, it's really telling the, the, the Leeds, man, Leeds manager, Christiansen, oh, some of the first questions that he took after, after we turned them over was, did you underestimate Brentford? And there was this assumption in the press, and it, I think it, it goes both ways, that, that he, had, he, had, he didn't, hadn't done his research because it was a team like Brentford. And I think that the longer that that myth continues, the, the stronger Brentford will be because teams do come down and they don't do their work. They see, oh, it, it, it's Burton, it's Brentford, it, it's Millwall. It, it, it doesn't matter. We, they, teams come in and they think they have the, just, you know, the, the history to defeat us. And I, I think the, the longer that myth continues, the better for us. And I think it will continue the longer that we play in a, in a small ground and we're a small club, technically. But Leeds were champions of Europe. You have to remember that, Chris. And also, what's going on at the moment, actually? I mean, uh, my... My, uh, my eye was drawn to at least a couple of articles that were around if, on the internet, if not in the actual published press this week, saying that Ryan Woods was likely to sign for Sunderland in in the, uh, the transfer Christmas transfer break. I mean, you know, I'm sure Sunderland can offer Ryan Woods a bit more money, but I, I bet you a pound to a penny now is that Ryan Woods will not be signing for, for Sunderland in, in, the, in the Christmas window because there are far better teams than Sunderland, teams like Sunderland that Ryan Woods could go to. Well, it's, it's, I, mean, I know that you're a Sunderland supporter, so you know, you've know got a bit of passion there, but, um, you know, which, is, which is true. But anyway, just coming back to that, interestingly, I think what was more important about that story was it was the fact that it was an ex-Wolves player who was talking on Sky. Actually, no, it wasn't about Ryan Woods. That's a different story as well. Dean Smith. So we come back to Dean Smith as well. And they said that, you know, that they felt that Dean Smith is actually a very good manager and he hasn't been affected by all the hype and everything like that. He had a bad run, but Brentford stuck with him and he's done very well. And he says that he really does believe that Dean Smith should go to a bigger side, somebody like Sunderland, apparently. 
I really recommend that people listen to another podcast as well as the Sausage One. Listen to the Totally Football podcast. We recommended that last week. Yeah, well, this week it's got uh, the Totally Football, sorry, the Totally Football Championship podcast, or I can't remember what the title is. Football League podcast has Martin Allen on it. And actually, listening to Martin Allen, who I've always liked, always rated, he was speaking about Dean Smith, and he said that he knew that Dean Smith was the right fit for Brentford because he went. Martin Allen went down to the training ground a few weeks ago when we were in the middle of that bad run, and he and Dean Smith was laughing and joking and looking totally relaxed. Now you know I'm not Dean Smith's greatest fan, but interesting that Martin Allen said that. Dean Smith was the perfect fit for Brentford because he understood he could cope with the pressure, he could cope with getting on with developing players' skills. And the one thing that Martin Allen said was that Dean Smith should not go to a bigger team. He should finish the project with Brentford. I thought that was a really interesting comment. Uh, Martin Allen did finish his little piece on that uh, by saying that he thought Cardiff would beat us at the weekend, so I have to take a slight, slight issue with that. But I, I completely agree. There's a problem with the fact that it's just assumed that Ryan Woods, that Dean Smith, will simply go to a bigger club because it's a bigger club. Uh, they're not idiots. They see. I, I mean, I'm an idiot. I picked Sunderland to do quite well this season because I thought with Simon Grayson in charge, they'd be t- a t- tough side to beat. And you can quote me on that. Uh, I'll take that to my grave. But... Um, they, you know, they're really struggling. They look like they're going to go down this year, um, and only an idiot, an absolute idiot, would leave them for two years of parachute payments. So two years that they were required to get promoted out of, out of League One back into the Championship, and then immediately into the Premier League in order to sustain wages, and that was not going to happen. So. It, it's just crazy. But it's what Sunderland do need to go down. Uh, Sunderland are like Leeds. They're like Forest. They're like other, other so-called Wednesday. big teams, Sheffield Wednesday. They need to go down into League One because then they'll find out what it is it's about the cut. There's something really wrong in the culture of Sunderland Football Club. I, don't know I mean, we're talking about football and culture. I do find it quite uh, heartwarming. <laughs> The amount of Brentford players uh, involved, or ex-Brentford players, in, 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 involved in teams that have imploded during the playoffs uh, over the World Cup weekend. Uh, so it shows that we are developing our own style and we're bringing things through. And you're right, you're right. I think I think maybe someone that has to do a double drop, uh, not just puns. Uh, someone like uh, we thought it'd be Villa last year, maybe Hull or Sunderland. Someone, these teams. There are too many. There's too many billionaires and millionaires now for the top two divisions to hold this. And you really are with the championship. You are a month, a, month, a good month. You're going up, and a bad month. You're going down. And I, I, I've been won over by Dean Smith. I've had to make my piece of it now. I am a um, semi-drunk, tactically illiterate, fickle, superstitious football fan. So his, the way he plays 10 games of World Cup winning style versus 10 games of conference relegation style totally fits my pattern of emotional behaviour. And I, 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 think we'll, I think we'll end up be- better than we'll end up worse. But I think the championship is evolving and I think we've seen that. It's, it's kind of going through, it's about five years behind the Premier League where it's, it's, gone, it's emerging out of the stage where money buys you success. 
and we're now emerging into the stage where it's actually it's about the football. And you see where where clubs uh, in the in the Premier League. Well, you say that, but Wolves have, Wolves have spent forty million, and now they are but, but they looking are, like going up. But so. they are also playing the best football in the league as well. But can you separate football? Can you separate money and football then? But no. But I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to do us a favour here by talking about how our football is succeeding, and it's not necessarily about the money. Whereas clubs that are about the money, clubs who've got players on. You know, God knows how much Lewis Lewis Graben's on at Sunderland, how much Lee Catamore's at Sunderland, John O'Shea is on at Sunderland. Like these players are on, on tens of thousands of pounds a week, and the money is not working. It, it's now the championship is now. It's not about the money. It's about the football. Definitely, you're right. You're right, and I, I think I think the, a point to make about worrying about people like Ryan Wood, players like Ryan Woods. I think if you're under 25, the world's a very different place. If you're people like Bieland or Vibay or you're, you're 28, 29, 30 and your agents in your ear saying you've got one big payday, suddenly that makes the Football League look very different. So, so just, just bringing it back to international, I'm just, I've got to bring it back to international. So listen, this World Cup, is people saying, oh my God, there's no Italy. Oh my God, there's no Holland. Oh my God, there's no, I mean, USA. I mean, haven't got the same kind of, but still, you know, there's, there's, there's certain teams that are, that, that are missing from this World Cup. Now, I'm not even funny, but Italy... Did Italy deserve to play? A lot of people saying, oh, they had Spain in their group, they were so unlucky. But, I mean, there is a bit of luck, a little kind of like teams like, teams like Sweden shouldn't be beating teams like Italy. You know what I'm saying? Now, at the end of the day, shouldn't that all be out? That's out the window, though, isn't it? I'll tell you what, though. Italy not being at the World Cup is probably means that there's a gap. Like the World Cup finals are a bit like the top of the premiership now aren't there there are five or six teams that are going to get to the quarterfinals semi-finals finals um, the argentinas brazils germany's of this world italy used to be one of those teams that you guarantee would almost definitely be in the quarterfinals a terrible start a absolutely yeah. horrendous start to the campaign you think ah look at the italians and then next minute they're like oh no they're still in there yeah and would probably be definitely in the semi-finals so you know that could be england's england's opportunity can england actually take italy's place and be one of those teams challenging for a top quarterfinal if not semi-final space well, I'm gonna, there's also to me also we just got to finalize on this as well there's also i think there's a bit of a reverse teams like thing going on because with England I mean interestingly I mean people talk about England being boring and this and a a boring manager and but the fact is you know that they've qualified yet again whereas all these other teams have struggled doesn't really matter like you know you say oh they've only played you know they've had really hard groups or whatever it's not that's not the point you can only put what's in front of you and they've qualified again and also the other thing I'd say is that England are bringing England are bringing through young players they're bringing through some young players okay that other people aren't bringing through so people start moaning about saying like they're saying oh England are playing a bunch of nobodies against the German world champions you know what I'm saying but my argument is like, well, surely that's that's kind of what we should be championing. So isn't there sort of a, re- a bit of a reverse? And this this comes from this comes from but this comes from England fans or people who propose to support lower league football, who, who is up for actually bigging up, bringing um, unidentified players through, and not going through the big ball game. But it's almost like there seems to be this thought that when you go to the international game, you've got to do a team's like. So England have to do. A Man United of the world, they can't actually, you know, start being a bit rubbish and bringing some players through and start being better. People just expect England to be like brilliant, and if they're not, 
they slag them off, and I think that's a little bit. There's a little bit of reverse teams like. You, you yeah, 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 no, yeah. But also, um, I, I do think we ought to congratulate Gareth Southgate for for actually playing some of the young players. But and the the, the younger players aren't necessarily a surprise. Those of us who actually do watch Championship football and Division One football have seen some of those players on the pitch, and it may be that you know England could start a World Cup game at the World Cup finals playing a player who has actually played in the Championship more than he's played in the Premiership. I'm thinking about Tam- Tammy Abrams is the classic example. And that, and that has got to be a good thing. But you'll get, all, you'll get the press and you'll get the arrogant Premiership fans saying, this guy's no good, he's only ever played in the Championship. Well, wake up, people. He's probably been more successful in the, premiership, uh, in the Championship than he's ever been in the Premiership. Gonna say, yeah, look at look at previous golden generations. People like Lineker, Barnes, Steve Ball, Chris Woods, given given a right, given time and a right, and going get you know what? If you can do well enough over 20, 30, 50 games in, in near enough a top flight, then yeah, go and do it six games in a tournament. Um, you're right, you're right, Bill. It's the it's the inverse of teams like this arrogance of teams like England, teams like and um, you know it'd be interesting to see like you know if we're watching. Brentford players I assume they'll all be Danish I don't know if there's any other non-Danish players anywhere near a World Cup squad uh, although we do have a transfer window in between um, whether there'll be whether there'll be expectations about it and as well if a World Cup goes well or badly is that better for Brentford or worse for Brentford will we lose will we, will we end up with a kind of World Cup version of the FA Cup DJ Campbell saga so listen talking about World Cup we're going to come back and just chat about the World Cup now and about Brentford because Brentford are going to have a huge impact on this next World Cup. We'll talk about this of this twang. The World Cup next year is in Russia and of all the home nations, only one of them has made it. England. Sixth World Cup in a row that they qualified for. People may slag it off and they may laugh at the end of the day, they qualified six in a row. The last one that they didn't qualify for was in the USA in 1994, which I didn't go to, but I've been to every single World Cup since there with England. You know, I just like to put that. And I think that is an absolutely TV tremendous achievement by England. Love it or hate it. But interestingly, there is also a team here, because there's like the Brentford fans, we've got a little bit of a kind of pull, because we saw that match last night when Ireland played Denmark. Ireland played Denmark and... Uh, Technically, Ireland, 1-0 up, you think, oh, Ireland, they're through, mate, they're through. But then, a couple of mistakes, and Denmark destroyed, they absolutely destroyed Ireland. And they knocked them out 5-1, they're out of it, out of the picture. Now, the thing that was very proud with a lot of Brentford fans, there was one Brentford player in there, Andres Bielend. And you saw him, he was getting excited, he was hugging, he was all over it, he's loving it, absolutely loving it. Before in the qualifiers... Henrik Dalsgaard was also a key player. In fact, Bielend was actually in and out. He wasn't like a key player in the side. He was in some games, out some games. But Dalsgaard was key player, setting up goals, crossing the ball in. Then he got injured, so he missed the playoff matches. But you've got to say that he's going to be a key player for Denmark. And then also, obviously, Andre V... Um, um, Lasse Vive, Andre Vive. <laughs> Lasse Vive as well. Is uh, he scored loads of goals for us last season? If he did, he would have been there and thereabouts in the Denmark side. He still needs to get into his groove, but he's got another six, eight months to get into his groove. And you know that he's going to be really trying really hard because he's going to be wanting to go to Russia with Denmark. 
assuming he's still with Brentford after January, of course, but that's another story altogether. Let's presume that he will be. So all of a sudden, next year, potentially if none of these three players go in the January window, we could have three Brentford players at the World Cup, which is a testament to Brentford in itself, a testament to our scouting, a testament to our director of football scenario. We have, we've got to say it as well, there's been a lot of slagging off going off going on beforehand saying our system is this and that and wankers and this and all this kind of nonsense which you may or may not you know have heard and know about listen everyone's got their own opinion but the fact is that sometimes you've just got to sit back and just have a little look and take it on board and maybe just back what the people you know is what they're doing and at the end of the day they've done something a little bit different but it seems to be working out yeah we might make a few mistakes and we've all acknowledged that but at the end of the day you know, it's doing all right, and there's no need for doing personal attacks on people if you're trying to do your job. Like, you know, no, I've, I've got to say that though, because like, you know, we've seen it all the time, and it's it's, it's not right. Now, at the end of the day, listen, we've got two people, maybe three players, are going to be at the World Cup, and you've got to respect to people, tip their app for actually getting involved. Let's move on from that though. More to the point is the question we're going to say. If England, we're going to put a poll up on Bissotti, going to ask the question as well. But if England played Denmark in the World Cup and Denmark had three Brentford players in the side, Vibe, Dalsgaard and Bjelland, who would you go for? The Liberal. I'd go for club. Club over country every time. And I would be supporting Denmark. Um, because, you know, I'd be really interested to see how... The, the reaction of the media, the reaction of other fans around the world, but particularly in England, to the fact that there were three championship players in a team at the World Cup finals. Um, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll probably regret, regret saying this, but, but I'm not that interested in international football. Yeah, I'll watch the World Cup and I'll be, you know, uh, but I'll be watching it for the style of football and, for the, uh, for, and to see different games and to see different teams and the way that they play football to be fair you are you are long ball nick so you'll be you know you'll be looking for them hoofing the ball up to that that, that big man up front and him nodding at the back of the net no i'll be interested to see whether long ball works out over the smooth silky brazilian stat samba style football that 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 one team at least will will be displaying in the in the in russia ne- next uh, next summer i don't have any I like watching football. I have no real interest in whether it's England versus Germany or whether it's Panama versus Iran. Um, I don't buy into the whole hype, and that's why I'll be really interested. And I hope. Hype? No, what hype? Hype? What hype? Well, we are already starting. There's already started. I, I, as I say, I didn't watch any of the international games, but last night on the Radio Five, after the England game, and, and actually during it, I was listening to it during during it. Um, some of the commentators were saying that they were quite excited by what Southgate was doing, is introducing uh, new players into the team and young players into the team, and he was changing his style and evolving the tactics. And did this mean that England stood a chance? And between now and June, or whenever the tournament starts, well, there will be more and more of this. This could be England's time. You know, no, I said, no, 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 I said, no, 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 Surely they were asking. They were asking questions. They were asking the question to say, "Is this changing 
the, 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 whatever's not, not worked in the past, is this going to help to change that? I mean, and I'm sure as a journalist and you sitting down on a show like we do in the podcast, that's a question that you would ask, no? Yeah, but, but, but you know that jingoism will start, start kicking in. And as we approach the tournament, there'll be more and more. There'll be the tabloids will be saying, "This is our ta- time, boys." You know, the 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 radio stations. Some of the some of the radio stations will be going, "Let's go and show those ruskies what we can do." No, they didn't do that in the last World Cup. They didn't do that in, in Brazil. Definitely not. We went out there like with no hope at all. Uh, and no, beforehand there was beforehand. Everybody said, well, maybe this time there could be an opportunity, but Lou's got a view on this. Yeah, I mean, well, Brexit means Brexit food means Brentford. Let's see what's happening in the news at the time. I, w- I would like to draw attention to a, a, lovely, a lovely tweet earlier today or yesterday from Sar- Sarangipani, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, made a point that years ago we used to, we used to just get excited about ex Brentford players or Brentford players in the third round of the FA Cup. Now we're excited about players in the World Cup. How much of a movement is that? And um, if I could, if you if you give me the liberty, I'll just run through a bunch of ex or current or past Brentford players with some connection to the World Cup. So I managed to find Marcus Gale, Dion Burton, Les Ferdinand. Paul Merson, Clinton Morrison, Wojciech Chesney, Graham Rixbu, uh, Kenny Sampson, Chris Hewton, Tommy Smith, New Zealand, um, and then the, the ones that got away. Dallas- so, so, so those are all players who actually played in the World Cup. Um, they didn't play there while they're at Brentford, though, no, did they? So we have not had a player. Uh, we, this, this is the this is the significance, and this is it. When people are slagging off, uh, you know, Phasmus Gylerson or Riles. Uh, whatever their names are, the, t- the two, the, the, two the two, the two puppets of Matthew Benham as, defend- as, as directors of football. Actually, we've got a, we've, we are on the cusp of having our first ever active um, Brentford World Cup footballer winning a World Cup cap, uh, unless we sell them for the cash, which is our model. These are the crumble. Yeah, I would. I just. I think I, I take issue with the fact that we're going to have, only going to have three Brentford players at the, at, the, at the World Cup. I think Marcondes could very well. Shebu and Shebu as well, and, and maybe even Sorensen in, in the Utah. So we could be looking at six Brentford players in that Danish squad. So I think there's there's so much strength there. But I, when it comes to club versus country, uh, I'd say I, I side with country. I just the thought of England winning a game at a World Cup gets me excited <laughs> the fact the fact that we tanked so badly at the last two tournaments I mean we only won one game at the yeah, last well, two well would you take Brentford in the premiership over England in the final those, in, in your own time Chris those weren't the terms that were laid out to me at the beginning of this conversation <laughs> um, I would take Brentford in the top flight at Anfield at, 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 well I almost said Highbury uh, against Fleetwood at Highbury um, you know, at Old Trafford, yeah. I would, I would take my. I, I think I, I personally would take my club ten times before I took a country. I'll take England, take Ireland, the country, country my family from, the country I live in. I'll pay them that respect. And like Nick said, I'll also respect the countries that play really good football because actually that's that's my currency is nice football. But I think we're talking about if England played Denmark, I would support England. I just want, I just want England to to. To just just to represent themselves well at a major tournament, which we've not done for, for a very very long time, 
you know, we've won one game uh, at the last two tournaments. Um, I've not gone back further in history. It's probably even a worse record back then. But I just think... We've, we've actually, we've got really bad. If you look back, go back, and the people we do beat, like Cameroon and Belgium and Ecuador, there's something like, in the last 50 games in major tournaments, we've, 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 we've only two or three times beaten a team in the top 10 in the world. We are the ultimate, like, we're the big boys in England. It, it's shocking, but, I, you know, I, I wish our Brentford players the very, very best. But if they came up against England, I, you know, my opinion, I would support England. So, are you writing off uh, Nico Yunaris, uh, Rico Henry, uh, Dan Bentley for England call-ups? Uh, for this yes or no? Yes the, or no? For this World Cup, yes. Yeah. That, yeah I mean, that, actually, Lou, that's, that is a shame because Rico Henry would be a good, good case in point because he is actually rated as one of the best left backs in England, and he's sadly injured. He's out for the entire season, so won't make won't make the World Cup. Now, you know, he wouldn't, I, be, he wouldn't have made the World Cup squad for this. Well, you know, Southgate. It's interesting. Southgate is obviously deciding that, you know, to go with players that he thinks fits a system rather than necessarily the names that we've gone in the past. And it may be that had Rico Henry, I mean, you know, it's all all ifs and buts, but had Rico Henry been fit, put put in really good performances for Brentford at left back, you never know. He might have made the squad. And I think, listen, I'm not not on a fair point. I, I think that might be just pushing the ball a little, little bit and I think Rico's a good player but I just think a little bit um, I think this tournament might be a little bit soon for him specifically on Rico I I genuinely think that Rico Henry is probably uh, he's on their radar he's probably about the fifth or sixth best left back in England you've got the couple that are in the squad at the moment then you've got Aaron Creswell who's probably the third or the fourth best then you perhaps got Ryan Sessegnon at Fulham and then Rico Henry so it's not completely out of the question that one or two injuries and he's in the England squad, even in the championship. Danny Mills. Danny Mills made his break, didn't he? You, you, you laugh. You laugh, but he looked, he looked solid. I mean, that then, Bill, moves on the question, who probably is the, who is the best England international Brentford have ever had the luxury of owning or playing? I, I would say someone like Andy Sinton. In a shit team. Andy, I mean, Andy Sint was very good. I, oh, England international, sorry, because I yeah, was... Sorry, yeah. So, yeah, so then you're creating another narrative like of, of, of not just not just looking at uh, our... Inter- we've had quite, you know, being in London, we've had quite quite a lovely mix of, of nationalities, but who's the best England international? And then we've got people like Paul Merson, and Les Ferdinand, who sort of, like, turned up for a game. But we've got Andy Sinton, who's done three years of really hard graft... Yeah, who, who, who else? What other England players have we actually had? But also, I mean, ne- never mind talking about this World, the, the World Cup in 2018. Let's look to the World Cup in 2022 or 2026. We've got Ellery Balkum, uh, under 19. Goalkeeper. Very, goalkeeper, very successful under 19. Klepp to clean sheet again uh, today, was it, or yesterday? Yeah, yesterday against Bulgaria. We've got Chris Meppham, who captained the Welsh under-21 team, you know. And and maybe the first Welsh team to actually get to the World Cup since about 1954. 58-58. And somebody has already said it, Chris, I think, mentioned it already, but Mad Sorison, who captained the Danish under-19 team. So, I mean, you know, it just shows that, you know, Imagine doing this podcast four years ago, pre pre the last World Cup. We would we'd be talking about you know Charlie we'd be, Charlie, Charlie Ide says Charlie Ide says that we'd be talking about teams like Char, players like Charlie Ide 
never getting a call up, never getting a chance. Really exciting stuff. And Blue, just got to just got to finish this off on the international thing as well. We've got to set to you very very exciting Brentford players at the World Cup. And listen to me, for me as well, obviously it's, it's, no, it's no brainer. I mean, everyone knows out there. Um, if uh, you know, if, if yeah, 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 yeah. if England played Denmark, it's a no brainer. You know exactly. What I mean, like, for me, you know, um, I've, I've I've seen England playing twelve tournaments now, maybe thirteen. I can't remember. You know, however, my wife is Irish, so I go to Ireland games. So I've been to Dublin and I've been to all over the world watching Ireland play as well. But I'm also Jamaican. I used to live in Jamaica as well. Went to school in Jamaica. So the chances that when I went to Jamaica in the World Cup and I went to, you know, I went to see Jamaica in the World Cup '98, took a coach out there. Also, flew over to Jamaica when they were in the Caribbean Cup final a couple of years ago. So, you know, to me, I could not pick and choose, but I had the predicament in '98. When England got through, and it looked like Jamaica might have got through, and England going to play Jamaica, and I took a coach out there, 50 Jamaicans or British Jamaicans, West Indians, stuff like that, and they were all excited. They thought they were going to win the cup and all that, and you know I was pretty level-headed, and they said to me, "What's going to happen with England meet Jamaica, Bill?" And I said, "There's no question about it. It's England." You know, I said I'm cool with Jamaica, and it's cool, cool with me. But if England meet Jamaica, you know, I'll be there. I'll go have a drink with you. We have a laugh. We could do the same parties. But this is it. And the same thing with me, Denmark. I really wish them guys well. They do very, very well. But if England meet Denmark, it's a no-brainer for me. It's England all the way. And also, I'm going to say this as well because you talked about club versus country. If you were talking about if if. For this World Cup, you said, would you prefer England to get promoted, um, England to win the World Cup now, or England or Brentford to get promoted? I think for this World Cup, I would prefer England to win the World Cup. Okay, because I no, no, because I always think that Brentford, the way that we're going, we will build and we will get there anyway. But the way we're going at the moment now. Uh, the chances are running out for me to actually see England ever win a World Cup so for any one opportunity for me to see England win a World Cup and be there I would love to be there and that is just me saying it as it is the likelihood of either happening is going to be slim anyway so mate I never say never I say that Greece won the uh, the, the European Championship in 2004 and that should never have happened yeah, you're right, it should never have happened. Not on our watch. And look what the worldwide economy's done to them. No, I would say, for me, a bit of the opposite. My, my club versus country view is that supporting Brentford is so much more about the event of the game, seeing your friends, backing your local, local team or, or a local team you've attached yourself to, backing an underdog, believing in the, game, in the way they play football, putting up with the shit when they don't play football well so I, I am totally I, I will back I'll back the underdog and I, yeah, and I, and I think it's a lovely thing football's such a such a meritocracy and I think loads of people should be you know should never have this teams like Brentford view on the international scene equally I think I know I know where you're coming from Bill you're worried about time running out but I, I'd, I'd love I fucking I fucking love Andorra, fucking San Marino to fluke their way in once, and and then then go hey hey guys we remember when everyone laughed at us and we turned up in the championship. That's but that's not going to happen. But also, I, I am I'm massively club, massively club over country. But if it came to one opportunity for the next year, I would take England for that one because Brentford are still going to be there because we're on the way up. Trust me. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I, I get what you guys are saying. I'm, I'm England until until we're out, and then I, and then I'm looking looking for the next bandwagon that I can jump on as quickly as possible. 
whether it's you know it's the it's the Dane, Spain. the Dane, France, the Danes, Germany, the Danes, the Danes and Brentford's Army Army. Whether it's every country that's ever wronged Donald Trump, I'm getting behind that. You know, Iran's Army Army. Here we come. North Korea, the group of death with yeah. Russia, Iran, Wait. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Where, where you will actually die. If yeah, you, literally. If you're a football fan, you get killed. But it, but also, I think we've we've also you, you talk about you know the little minnows getting there, and that's what we've got to look forward to in the Euros next time round where you know we've got this weird League of Nations and where one of Gibraltar, San Marino, Liechtenstein, one of them will be in the tournament. So there's there's hope for the little ones out there. Plenty more to come. World Cup draw first of December. And it's going to be 1st of December, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon is something ridiculous. And uh, we're trying to sneak into the... Um, there's some draw. They've got some, some drinks down at, at Wembley on that day. I'm going to see if we can stick into it. You say you're going to sneak in. You realise it's taking place in the Kremlin. Yeah, yeah, we'll still see what we can do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, we'll move on. We're going to talk about Cardiff because we're playing them at the weekend. So, Saturday, football is back on. We are off to Cardiff. We're off to Wales, down the M4. After a little bit of a rest, will all our players go? Because obviously we've had a, you know, Bielent, he had a bit of a stormer in Ireland, so maybe he might get a bit of a weekend off with Brentford. We don't know, we shall see. But we're playing Cardiff, who had a wicked start to the season. They were top for a bit, dipped off a little bit now. They're third, but still very dangerous, and very dangerous at home as well. But we're off down the M4. And like I want to say, first of all, travel news, it's going to be a nightmare. So if you're driving because Wales are playing Georgia in the rugby, 2.30 kickoff, which is roughly the same time as us. Why do they put the rugby and the football on at the same time? I have no idea. So you're going to have football fans and, and the rugby fans vying for travel. So if you've tried to look at trains, trains were really expensive from day one for this game. Hotels, you couldn't get a hotel and stay overnight. It's been an absolute nightmare. And we don't know what the traffic's going to be like on the M4, but we can imagine with rugby fans going in, it could be chock-a-block. So maybe we might have to allow an extra hour or two hours on top of what you would normally do to make sure we get in for this game. And parking will probably be a nightmare as well. But hey-ho, that's the way it's going to go. And also the trains, apparently, trains are mash-up between uh, Newport, Bristol and Newport. So there's a bus between Bristol and Newport. As a two-hour bus, apparently, which is a two-hour bus. It doesn't take two hours to get from Bristol to Newport, so that makes you a little bit worried as well. But anyway, listen, we're bees and we, you know, we need to deal with that, so maybe we might have to leave at 7 o'clock in the morning to make sure that we get there. But Cardiff City, they've had a very, very good start. Neil Warnock, the manager, Neil Warnock undid us as well when he was at um, Rotherham, remember? They were struggling, and then we went there, and Walnut was manager, boom, boom, bish, bash, and they did us. Is this a bit of a worry for us, this game? Yeah, it is, because it's Neil Warnock. I've got a lot of time for Neil Warnock. Uh, lives in Richmond, actually. Or when he managed Rain QPR, he lived in Richmond. And I actually bumped into him a couple of times, because he lived near, when, when I lived in Richmond, he lived round the corner from me. Bumped into him a couple of times. He was always friendly, always prepared to have a chat as well. Really, and I, you know... He's an old-style football manager, but he gets teams up into the Premiership. Uh, he can't keep teams in the Premiership, but he gets teams up into the Premiership. And I, that's what Cardiff, you know, they, they started off on a good run. Um, they've fallen away a bit, but they're still in third place. Uh, it's going to be a difficult game for us. I think that whether some of our players might return a bit jaded from the international break. There might have been a few too many celebrations. 
and also after international breaks we tend to start again slowly before getting back into the rhythm. So I think it could be a difficult game for us. If you're looking to me for a score prediction, I think it's going to be a one-all draw. The Crumble Chris, you've been looking into Cardiff as well and uh, they've got a few good things going on as far as they're concerned, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a good side. They're, they're in third place and they're in third place because they deserve to be in third place. They've got some good players there. So they've a few ex-players of ours as well. So Kadeem Harris is on the books, although I think he's injured at the moment. He's not really featuring in the squads. Um, Kenneth Zahor is someone to be aware of. Mendes Lang in midfield as well, another player to be aware of. But as Nick was saying, Nick likes um, Warnock. I don't like Warnock, but for the same reason that He's, he gets results. He's a bit of a bastard when it comes to managing football teams. And I suppose it's a sign of respect that I, I don't really like him um, because he's, he's good at what he does. Uh, he'll, and so I'm, I'm predicting a, a, tough, a tough, tough game for the, for the Bees. I mean, I know Cardiff have started well. Um, they've got two draws, two losses, two wins in their last six. So it's, you know, they're not in the best of form. We are full of confidence, full of beans. Um, but I think if we can take anything from this game, be it a point, I think that would be a very, very good result. Omar Bogle, he was a player that was linked with Brentford. He wasn't actually going to come to Brentford, but people wanted to link him with Brentford because we needed to get a striker, they felt, and he was one that scored about 195 goals in two days for Grimsby at the time. He didn't go to Brentford, he went to Wigan. He did all right at Wigan. He scored a few goals there. I don't know if they're overly happy Will, with him. Did he keep Will Grigg out of the team? I'm not sure about that. I he think they played together. You know what I'm saying? Hey? He didn't have a great record here. I think he had about four goals in fact. No, he didn't. No, but then, but then Wigan got relegated and, and Cardiff and, and, and Warnock bought him at Cardiff. And he's gone to Cardiff and he's scored a couple of goals there. And ironically, he scored a goal last Saturday up at Bristol City. And uh, to put them up, uh, one up, I think it was. And then he got sent off, and then it went horribly wrong for, for, for Cardiff, and then they lost to Bristol City, and uh, obviously it's a big derby for them as well, uh, the big sort of kind of a seven-bridge derby, and very unhappy about that one, so they lost that one, and uh, I don't know, I mean, like I said to you, we've just got to talk to, um, we've got a couple of Cardiff fans, and uh, I don't know if they feel, not that they're losing their way, but they're kind of like teetering a little bit, and fingers crossed Brentford again will be able to capitalise on that loop. Yeah, well, mate, I know what it's like to take a beating in, Bri- in Bristol City, uh, literally. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I think this game as well. There's just everything coming together, and the transport is. I've already cashed my uh, my winter football attendance chips in with the family uh, and the misses uh, for the Villa game. So the idea of then saying to them, not only am I going to spend a day going to Cardiff, but I'm actually going to make it five hours longer with a lovely rail replacement service, uh, just makes it a sort of non-goer for me, despite my manipulations. Um, I'm a bit, little bit worried. You know, we went into that run really, like, you know, full steam ahead. Um, and I, I worry that these international breaks, they kind of, they kind of make make you uh, go toe-to-toe with, uh, with, with teams on, on the up versus teams, teams on the down. And uh, you're, right, you're right, Bill, what you said. Cardiff are sort of like drifting now and they're floating away. They're flotsam and we're, and we're catching up on them. Um, I imagine that maybe in a month's time that actually we might be sort of trading places with them. Um, and you know, Neil Warnock in running out of ideas, shocker. Uh, but he doesn't know how to get a team to play ugly, to get out of the division. 
Um, I think it will be a good test of our players and it will be really interesting to see who Dean Smith thinks deserves a rest or with the injuries coming back who actually will have a chance now to play our strongest 11 probably for the first time in the whole season score prediction um, I think it'd be uh, very tight 6 all. Trouble Chris yeah I, oh, sorry I thought you were talking about the rugby I thought you were talking about the rugby um, I, th- I think it'd be um, um, one all or jammy 2-1 home win you need to give one one result ok uh, one result uh, one all one all UBs Chris uh, yeah, it's interesting what Lou was saying about players coming back. I think Barbe had an absolute stormer against Leeds. Is Does he get picked? Does he play uh, Josh Clark at left back and try and squeeze a few players in? Um, but as I said, I think it would be a tough game, tight game. Um, I'm going to go silly and say 2-2. Two, two. And uh, for me, it's interesting about Bielen because obviously he's like he's properly buzzing after the Ireland game so do you just throw him in because he's going to be buzzing and he's going to be really up for it or do you decide to rest him and do the Juve Rosler derby thing remember technically it's still an international this is Wales against England so uh, he's yeah. well up for it yeah that's right exactly you know what I'm saying so I'd, I'd stick Bielend in because he's going to be potty for it well, would you, you know? would you all <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh, you know and and, 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 with the, and I think with the way that they play as well the way that derby and the way that Cardiff play as well I'd, I'd throw him in. So for me, I'm being a little bit cautious as well because you know me, I'm always going potty for it, but I'm also going for a one-all draw. So it's interesting because all around the table here, it's like this is like the playoffs, isn't it? Absolutely. I say it, it is. Yeah. It's like the playoffs. There's no victories at all. It's all draws and differences that everyone's actually gone for some goals. There's no nil-alls. Yeah, differences we'll actually see some goals, yeah. unlike the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're all going cautious after the international breaks, but that's the way it goes. Anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're coming from the, um, what's it? The, um, lamb and flag. The lamb and flag in Covent Garden. With the rainbow laces. With the rainbow laces as well. And it's like one of the oldest pubs in London. So if you're in Covent Garden, come down there, down the passageway. It's absolutely wicked. Since the days of Charles II, the lamb and flag has been famous. Um, and then there's all sorts of stuff on the wall. We can't read anything because I need some glasses, actually. It was previously known as the bucket of blood, right. which I think is a reference to uh, the Brentford physio room. <laughs> that's right and that's on the wall there as well but listen come down to the lemon flow absolutely wicked teething tremendous as well social the Bradford social end of season social big Bob Taylor is booked in he's going to be telling us some stories so go and get your tickets now it's going to be great it's in the brewery we've got an open bar um, in the brewery as well um, you've got to have manners as well because it's not okay, drinking and falling over it's about having some drinks and chatting with your mates and stuff like that as well so which is all good in the brewery 15th of December go into the Besotted website and you'll see it that you can click on there Bread for posters as well we've almost run out of bread for posters but if you go to the website you can click on that as well but other than that we want you to also go onto iTunes and subscribe to us and also write us a review on iTunes we'll read you out your reviews next week because we're running out of time now but other than that we've got Cardiff and Saturday and we're so delighted as we say in the Lemon Flag the oldest pub in London as we say come on you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.